Turn with me to John, the third chapter, please. Gospel account of John, chapter 3. And then also we're going to be going over to Romans, chapter 8. I'm going to ask you to believe with me this morning. Utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. Father, we come together in prayer right now, looking at this and touching this together with our spirit, asking you for utterance, asking you for every one of us to have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart and mind that understands and receives. Help us to hear and see exactly what you're saying to us and showing us today and what's coming tomorrow preparing us for the next part, the next steps, the next phase. We ask for answers. We ask for direction. We ask for help, anointing, supply of the Spirit. And we purpose that what you show us and say to us will not be forgetful hearers, but by your grace we will be doers. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. In John 3 and 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. How can a brass snake on a pole, be a type of Jesus on the cross. The holy, spotless, sinless one. Well, it's because when he hung on that cross, he became sin with your sin and my sin. Brass indicates judgment. That serpent indicates sin and its effects and all the evil that goes with it. He said, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you believe on him, saint? Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him, he says it again, whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now this all began with talking about how he was made sin for us. Keep reading in verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. The last, what, three verses, condemnation. He's talking about that over and over again. This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I know... uh, When I first began in the ministry some 30 years ago, I became convinced that the biggest problem was ignorance. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But having learned some things over the past several years, I see that's not the biggest problem. It is a big issue, but it's not the biggest issue. People, men have seen light and didn't want it. The scripture that we just quoted, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, that's not the end of the verse. It goes on to say, because you've rejected knowledge. And even though a person might be woefully ignorant and being destroyed because of their ignorance, if you walk in the light that you have, the Lord will lead you into more. Do you believe that, saying? He, he will lead you into more. And if you keep walking in the light that you have, you won't remain ignorant. Amen. He will bring you into a full understanding. Amen. 
And that light and that truth will make you free. And walking in it will keep you free. Ignorance is not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is not walking in the light that you have, seeing something that's right in God and choosing something else instead, not wanting it. But we see here that it said in verse 17, God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. Jesus did not come to condemn. Now the word condemn, if you've been with us, Uh, we've seen that it basically means to find guilty, to judge guilty. And this word righteous means the opposite of it. It means to declare not guilty or innocent, justified. So which are you, saint? Guilty or not guilty? Condemned? Are justified. (laughs) You act like you know the right answer. And what you say. Carries more weight. Than what I say. And anybody around you says about it. Because the Bible said in Revelation. They overcame. The accuser of their brethren. By two great things. By the blood of the lamb. And. The word of their testimony. testimony. All of this terminology is legalese. It's legal terminology. It's the same kind of terminology that be used in courtrooms today. Accusations. Condemnation. Judging. Judged. Justified. Romans is full of it. Galatians is full of it. Hebrews is full of it. Jesus didn't come to show us our guilt. He didn't come to show us how subpar we are compared to him. (laughs) He didn't come to show us how evil our sin was and how far short of his glory. We measure up. The law did that. The law showed how low men were operating compared to God's righteous standard. Why did Jesus come? He came to give us life and that more abundantly. He came, <laughs> whoo, glory to God. He came to show us how a righteous man lives and operates. And then to pay the price so we could be righteous too. Hallelujah. Go with me to Romans 8, please. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's how much condemnation? There is therefore now no condemnation. How much condemnation? When is there no condemnation? When? Now. To who? Not everybody. Not everybody, them which are in Christ Jesus. How do you get in Christ Jesus? We just got through reading in John 3. He said it two or three times. Those that believe on him. Right? Those that believe on him. Glory to God. What is condemnation? It's being found guilty. Judged guilty. And if you're guilty, what comes after you've been found guilty? Sentencing. If you've been judged and found guilty, what comes next is punishment. Punishment. And this revelation 
will give us understanding to examine ourselves to see how much of his righteousness we're walking in. The revelation is in how much you fear punishment. If you are blameless, you are shameless. And if you're blameless and shameless, you are fearless. I might like to take credit for that phrase, but I can't. The Lord gave that to me. (laughs) Say it out loud. Blameless. Blameless. What else? Shameless. What else? What if you got a lot of fear? Why would you have a lot of fear? Why would you have shame? Because you are carrying the blame. That's why. If you're carrying shame because of the blame, then that'll also put you in a place of fear. Keep reading this. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. You guys are listening good this morning, though. I tell you what, you're doing a good job. Doing a good job. We can get somewhere like this. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? A law is something that happens the same way every time it's a law. Like the law of gravity on the earth. When you jump off the building, what happens every time? You go down. What if you're old? You go down. Young, man, woman, smart, not so smart, rich, not so rich. It's a law. You jump off the building, you go down. Well, this is a law. The law of sin and death, the wages of sin is death. You sin, you die. It's a law. It's a law. But there's another law. I said there's another law. (laughs) Glory to God. Just this past week, we flew... Uh, from Missouri to Texas and then we flew over here from Texas to here and we'll be flying to some other places next couple of weeks and and we're so thankful for that ability. There's a lot of things we just couldn't do without that tool and ability. But you know for centuries men didn't fly. Did they? In fact you know anybody talked about it. Some of the wise men supposedly would say, if God had meant for men to fly, they'd have been born with wings. (laughs) And think about it. For century after century after century after century, men and women could only look up in the sky at the eagles and at the birds and wish that I could get off the ground and fly. And people would, even those who were at the forefront in their area of physics and science of the time, they knew the law of gravity keeps you firmly on the ground. And because of densities, I'm heavier than air. And so I don't float. And I don't fly. And that's a law. That's a law. But what they didn't realize is there's another law. There's another law called the law of lift. And for centuries nobody had a clue about that. And it's one of the simplest things. One of the simplest things. A wing is curved on one side and flat on the other. And when the air goes over it, the air has to go faster on one side than it does the other. And it creates a vacuum. And it'll lift that dude right off the ground. And if you get enough air flowing over a big enough wing, it'll lift a 747. It'll lift a house. It'll lift. It'll come right off the ground and fly like a bird. There was another law. Called the law of lift. Thrust over drag and other things. There's a law of lift. Well there is a law of sin and death. That when you sin you die. 
Everybody. When you sin, you die. But there's another law. Oh, somebody say there's another law. It's greater law. It overcomes the law of sin and death. What is it? Read it to me again. What is it? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Glory to God. Just like that law of lift will make you free from being stuck to the ground. This law of life will make you free from the law of sin and death. Keep reading. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. There is no more sin problem. Jesus dealt with sin. All sin. Everybody's sin that's ever lived and ever will live. There is no sin problem in God's mind. Jesus bore it all. Took it all. Paid for it all. Judged it all. And is free from it all. When he rose from the dead. Hebrews talks about he rose free from sin. And yet when he died, he died as our sin. He became our sin. So where is our sin? (laughs) He had it. He became it. Now he's free from it. When God raised him from the dead, he's free from it. A lot of uh, people sing songs in church about my sins are covered. That's not accurate. That's Old Testament. Your sins are not covered. (laughs) Covered means you could uncover them and find them. They're still there. They're just covered up. Your sins are not covered. They are washed away. They are gone. Glory to God. If they are, why should you still be ashamed for them? And why should you be afraid of bad things happening to you because of your sin? Said out loud, blameless, shameless, fearless. Glory to God. For centuries, the church has not preached righteousness. It has preached on our sin. How sinful we are. How unworthy we are. And those who preach some measure of truth have preached that we're saved, but has not preached that we're righteous. Is that true or not? We are more than saved. (laughs) We are more than forgiven, I should say. We are more than saved from hell. Thank God for it. But the Lord has done more for us than forgive us. We're not only forgiven. We are forgiven and cleansed washed we're not just saved from hell we are saved and made righteous this hasn't been preached enough this hasn't been meditated upon enough how many Christians are very acutely aware of their own sin and their failures and their shortcomings And how many of the sermons and the songs talk about how unworthy, how unworthy we are. That's built into the mentality. Well, if you are blame-minded, what are you going to be? You're going to have shame. You're going to feel ashamed for your mistakes, for your failures, for your shortcomings. And if you're guilty, you deserve punishment. Don't you? If you're guilty... 
You deserve it. And so anything, any problem that comes up, you'll go, well, I probably got that coming. Wonder for which sin that is. I know I've messed up. I know I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> kind of like me. When I was in high school, I was a good student, made good grades. But I'm a teenager and I got a fast car. <laughs> Somebody say, uh oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we just did some things that wasn't, what's the word? Yeah, wasn't smart, wasn't sanctioned. How about that? Wasn't within all the rules. And uh, I know we did something in study hall for acting up, got sent to the uh, principal's office. And on the way there, on our school, you had to go outside in some walkways to get to the other building. The guy that was guilty of the problem, I wasn't even guilty of it, but because we wouldn't give him up, she sent all of us, the whole table, to the office. And so he says, why don't we just go to the pool hall? And for some reason, we thought that was a good idea. So we, we went to the pool hall. And for some way or another, it didn't catch up with us that day or the next. And our teacher found out and sent us again. And you know what we did again? Went to the pool hall again. <laughs> and uh, the principal came to the pool hall. Oh, man, I know. And so in those days, if they called my name and said, you know, come to the principal's office. You know what I was thinking? <laughs> Wonder if it was for this or if it was for this <laughs> or if it was for that. Why? You're guilty. I'm guilty. I've got uh, blame and shame and fear, right? Because I know I've done stuff that broke the rules. And so I got it coming. It wasn't a shock to me that they said, Keith Moore, go to the principal's office. That wasn't a shock. I figured it was coming. <laughs> See, sin consciousness keeps you waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when anything goes wrong, what do you think? I knew something was coming. Yeah, you got to figure something was going to happen. Why? Because I'm guilty. And how many people of God, when any kind of challenge or any kind of problem comes up in their life, what's their first thought? Well, I knew, you know, something was going to happen. My, all the stuff I've done, all the stuff I haven't done, all the ways I've come short. And so instead of resisting the problem, they receive the problem. Come on, can you see this? Because of sin consciousness, guilty conscience. How did Jesus operate? You don't see him talking that way. You don't see him thinking that way. When you see sickness or disease or attack or a problem, you don't see him saying, well, we're all so unworthy. And we deserve whatever comes our way. Because of our failures and shortcomings. No, no, no. He stood up bold as a lion. He looked sickness in the eye and commanded it to get out of there. He spoke to demons. He spoke to storms, didn't he? Storms. And they obeyed him. Didn't they obey him? And much of the church, though, has looked at that and said, well, yeah, but now that's Jesus. And I'm not Jesus. That's another way of saying he's innocent. He's holy. And I'm not. Well, if you're not, there's a real problem here. <laughs> if you're not righteous with his righteousness, you're not righteous at all. You're either a saint 
or you ain't. Well, I'm, not, I'm no saint, people say. Well, then you ain't saved. See, all of this comes back to people's goofy thinking. What we can do cannot save us. The best we could ever do is not enough for the Lord to count us holy. The best we could ever do, the best of our good deeds, trying to live right and trying to be good, cannot rise up to the place where God says, yes, you're acceptable, you're righteous, you're good enough. Not for anybody. And because of that, because we could not attain to it, the Lord gave us his righteousness. Saints, do you believe it? And all you got to do to have it is believe it and by faith receive it and confess it over yourself. Come on. And if this is true, you are as accepted of the Father as He is. Because it's His righteousness. You are counted innocent just like Him. Because it's His innocence. You are counted clean just like Him. Righteous just like Him. Holy just like Him. Because it's His. His righteousness. And if it's true, you are not guilty. You are not condemned. You are blameless and shameless. And if you get this in you, you will become fearless. You will pray like Jesus. You will come boldly right into the throne room of God. You'll talk to the Almighty like He's your daddy. You hear people talking about, well, we, we just need, we need to bombard the gates of heaven. We're unworthy, but oh God, we're unworthy, but oh God, stand out there beating on the gate. That's a sense of unworthiness. What did the Bible say? What did the Bible say? Hebrews 4. Turn there and look at it. Hebrews 4. Who about preach me happy? Hebrews 4. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Do we? You know what his name is? Jesus. He's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, why is this profession, that same word is translated confession. It's what you say. Is it important what we say? How do they overcome the accuser of the brethren? By the blood of the Lamb and by what they say. Their profession, their confession, their testimony, what they say. The Lord Jesus is the high priest of what we say. I know some folks that visit us, they don't understand why we say so much stuff. I'll say, say this, say that, say this. But it's not that we're so weird. The church used to do this in the beginning. Come on, are you listening? It's the modern folks that have changed. The Lord works with what we believe in our heart and say with our mouth. It's how we get born again. It's how we overcome. Right? Not my idea. It's what the word has always said. Verse 15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Nobody can say that nobody understands what it's like to be human. What it's like to have our, our weaknesses and our frailties and what it's like to be tempted. Jesus was tempted every way a man or woman could possibly be tempted. And never yielded to it. Proving you can resist it. He did it as a human being. 
Verse 16. Let, because of that, because we have this high priest, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How can you and I do we know what we're talking about here? The throne of grace. There is no purer, cleaner place in the universe. The Almighty's purity is hard probably for us to fathom. Holy. What do the angels cry around him? Holy. 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 Wonder why they're crying that. Because in his presence, I think you'd have just come out of you. Holy. Why? Because he is so holy. How many believe at the throne of God, there is nothing that defiles. There is no sin. There's no curse. There's no impurity. There's nothing evil. At all. This is the throne of God. How? Is it possible that you and I can come blazing right in there in the holiest place in the universe? How is it? And not come groveling, not come begging. Now, he didn't say come arrogantly. Certainly not. You come for mercy, for grace. And yet, you come. That word's also translated confidently. 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 How could you come confidently to the holiest, purest place in the universe? You must be blameless. And shameless. And fearless. Right? You must be. I said you must be. Glory to God. Say it out loud again. Blameless. Shameless. Fearless. Go to 1 John please. Let's see. No, no. I'm moving too fast. Excuse me. You were there in Hebrews. Go back. Hebrews 10. Thanks be unto God. Jesus' righteousness enables us to stand in the presence of God without guilt, without shame, without any sense of inferiority it simultaneously allows us to stand in front of the enemy with no fear because he has nothing in us he doesn't own us we say yeah but you you did this and you did that and, and you were this and you were that and you're evil. Have you been born again? Yes. Yes. Have you been born again? Yes. Glory to God. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. Hold your place in Hebrews 10. This is so big. Couldn't possibly cover everything in one, one Sunday morning. But we will cover the part we're supposed to. You're already stirred up. Right? You believe this? <laughs> I think you do. I think you do. What if you got completely free? Completely free from all condemnation. And you had zero shame. Zero guilt. What kind of person would you be? <laughs> you would be you would be somebody like Jesus. You would walk on this earth like Jesus. You'd pray like Jesus. You'd speak against the enemy like Jesus. Wouldn't you? 
And the truth is, he is in you. And you're in him. And his spirit's on you. And your righteousness is of him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? Now, all that stuff that happened before you got saved. You are not the same person. That person doesn't exist anymore. Now that body is the same body, but your body is just the house that you live in. The real you is behind those eyes. You're looking at me through those two windows we call eyes, but you're on the inside. And the man before Christ, he's not there anymore. She's not there anymore. You're a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, A-L-L. Now that's on the inside. Now you know the outside, all things aren't new. This is on the inside. All things are become new. Never let the devil try to put you under guilt and shame about anything that happened before you got saved. Come on, are you listening? Because that person's gone. You're not that person. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You say, what about anything that happened since then? Have you ever read 1 John 1, 9? (laughs) The same blood that cleansed you still cleanses. It never loses its power. Hallelujah. Keep reading. Verse 18, all things are of God who's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Keep going. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Does God want everybody reconciled to him? Back in fellowship with him. Right with him. Why did Jesus come? So everybody could be right with God. Again. No matter what they had done. Verse 21. Oh, what an amazing verse this is. For. Why can we have a message of reconciliation? Because God made him to be sin for us. Jesus did not sympathize with our sin. He didn't just feel for us in our plight and lost condition. Why was that serpent on the pole a type of Jesus on the cross? How could the holy, spotless Lamb of God be portrayed as a brass snake on a pole? Because he became our sin and was judged for our sin. Why? Not just so we could cry over it and go, Thank God he hung on the cross. Yeah, but what does that give us? What he did, what does that mean to us? What does that give us? This is the part that hasn't been emphasized enough. People say, we can be forgiven. No, more than that. Much more than that. (laughs) We can be saved from hell. Yes, thank God. But much more than that. We are much more than forgiven. We are not just unworthy worms that are forgiven. (laughs) Did Jesus really become sin with your sin? Your sin. The things that the enemy has tried to braid you over the head and keep you in shame about were those sins put on him. Did he become sin with that sin? Did he? If he did, the next part has to be true too. 
Just as surely as he was made sin with your sin, you have been made righteous with his righteousness. (laughs) Glory to God. You know why you can come boldly before the throne of God? He became sin with your sin and my sin. And he went to the heart of the earth. And he was judged for it. And the full brunt of death came on him. We don't even know what all that entails. He paid the full price for it. And at the right time, the father spoke from heaven. And hell shook. And he said, this day, hallelujah, you're begotten. And Jesus was the first one to ever be born again. And he rose from the dead and he came up out of that place. He went back into his body. His body was transformed and changed by the glory of God. And eventually he was caught up and sit down now at the right hand of the Father. If he could come from the heart of the earth and go into the presence of the Father and sit down at the right hand after having been made sin with your sin. That's why you and I, though we were what we were, can come from where we were and go right into the presence of God. In fact, the Bible says we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as surely as he was made sin with my sin, I have been made righteous with his righteousness. It's not bragging on me when I say I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I didn't do it. He did it. I just received it. I just believed it. But it is so nonetheless. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I need to read another couple of scriptures to you. And then we can go to our, our other place. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Well Hebrews. Hebrews 10. You know, when God gave the pattern of the altar, the uh, holy of holies, the tabernacle, the sacrifices to Moses, it came right out of heaven. It wasn't patterned after anything that had ever been on the earth. God gave the pattern Of what's in heaven. And so. They brought the blood of innocent animals. The priest did. Only the priest could do it. Only the high priest at certain times. After certain cleansing rituals. Would take this blood. Into the holy of holies. To obtain. Forgiveness. And atonement. Which is covering. But if you read the book of Hebrews, you see all of that was a type of the real thing. And in the fullness of time, there came one born of a woman. Hallelujah. Spotless, sinless lamb of God. And he was offered and shed his blood. And when he overcame and paid the full price for sin... The Bible tells us that he took his own blood into the Holy of Holies. And there he obtained an eternal redemption, not covering, redeemed. Do you like to sing about being redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? What does it mean to be redeemed? It means more than forgiven. It means made righteous, made clean, made holy with his blood. Glory to God. 
Before we read this, I need to read this other scripture to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is this big, saints? How big is this? We don't know how big this is. This is so big. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. Of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made to us. It's not something we earn. He's made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, which is holiness, and redemption. All of these things. Did you know you have the mind of Christ? It's not something you earn. And nobody's more righteous than you. Oh, did you hear that holy cow move when I punched that one? Oh, Brother Keith, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm righteous. I mean, I do the best I can, but within you're an eight. Because the best you can ever do is never going to measure up and be enough. For you to be a right, it's, it's so sad. There's a lot of people that could and should be in service with us this morning. Yeah. But they don't think they're good enough to come to church. Right. And they think they need to work on their self and get better and get cleaner so they can come in here with us holy folks. Right. If they only knew. Yeah. <laughs> if you could clean yourself up, you wouldn't need Jesus. You, He wouldn't have had to go to the cross. If you could make yourself holy, redemption wouldn't have been necessary. No, no. You receive him. You receive his holiness. You receive his righteousness. You receive his wisdom. And that enables you to live good and live right. Walk in the light. Can you say amen? Hebrews 10. The writer of Hebrews, the Spirit of God through the writer, is showing all those things that happen in the types and examples that the reality has now happened in heaven itself. The high priest brought the sacrificial blood into the holy of holies. Not a type on the earth, the real thing in heaven. Who did he do it for? Us. Not angels, not somebody else. He did it for us. What does it mean to us? Where does it leave us what he has done? Read verse 12. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. It's insulting to try to do penance to make yourself righteous in God's sight because of your sin that you've committed. It's acting like the blood was not enough. You got to add your little stuff to it. Insulting. How many sacrifices? How many offerings? One. There will never be another offering for sin. Because the only one that could do it has been made. And it has been accepted. And because it has been accepted, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Who's he talking about? Perfected forever them that are sanctified. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. Those that believe on him. Glory to God. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said before. This is the covenant I'll make with them after those days. Says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities. Will I remember no more. Now if he's not remembering them. Why should you? Why should I? If we feel ashamed. It's because we're remembering them. You can't be ashamed over something you don't remember. 
I just feel so bad about all the stuff I've done wrong and all the stuff. It was either laid on Jesus or it wasn't. He either put it away and washed it away forever or he didn't. God either doesn't remember it or he does remember it. Which one is it? If he doesn't remember it, why do I want to bring it up to him? Why do I want to wallow in guilt and shame about some? Well, other people remember. Well, who are they? If God doesn't remember it and he says I'm right with him, everybody else's opinion is way down here somewhere. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Verse, verse 18. Now where remission. Not covering. Not covering. Remission of these is. There is no more offering for sin. What's the result? Verse 19. What's the result? Having therefore brethren. Boldness to go where? You're talking about going where no man has gone before. No man could go until the man, Christ Jesus, went there with his own blood. No man, no man could ever be holy enough to come into that place. No man could live right enough, do good enough. We're reading in Revelation. These days, right? Yes. Remember reading about the part where it said the scroll in the book was found? Yes. And he said nobody could open it? Yes. You remember that? Yes. And John cried? <laughs> Why? John's a good man. He's a holy man. And not him, not anybody was worthy on because of what they had done and who they had been to open that book. And John thought, God, there ain't a human being in existence. Holy enough, clean enough to qualify. And what was it? The elder or the angel said to him, don't cry. There is somebody that can open this book. It's the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Who became a man. A man. A man. And he opened the book. He went into that place, the holiest, with his own blood. And when he did, it qualified everyone that would ever believe on him and receive him to follow him into the holiest. Said out loud, having boldness to enter in into the holiest. By the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. By a new and living way. Which he consecrated for us. Through the veil that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us do what? See Peter. When Jesus was in the boat with him. And he saw that manifestation of the power of God. And that great miracle. He drew back. And he said oh oh, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. You can't be around me. He's conscious of his sin. He's ashamed. He says, I can't be around such holiness. Not realizing that's why Jesus is there. (laughs) But what does this say? Having boldness, he had said, to come into the holiest. Now, let us draw near. Not pull back in fear. Let us be bold and come near. With a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, we're not just forgiven. Thank God for it. But if we'll let him, our very conscience can be cleansed and washed from every vestige of guilt and shame. And no matter where you've been, what you've been, what you've done, by the blood of the Lamb, you can have a completely clean conscience. As though you had never sinned. As though you had never messed up. 
I've had people look at me and say, yeah, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. It is the most powerful thing in the universe. It was the only thing that could wash and cleanse us. It was the only thing. Silver and gold couldn't buy us. There wasn't enough wealth on the planets to buy us. But the blood did. I said the blood did. The blood could. And the blood did. Can you say glory to God? Glory to God. Glory to God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, you hear it again. Let us do what? Hold fast fast to what? The profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Our faith in what? Well, what's he just talking about? Our faith in the blood. Our faith in what Jesus has done for us. How he's made us holy. How he's sanctified us. How he's made us righteous. Do you need to confess that? Do you need to hold fast to the confession of that? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. so. Say it out loud. I have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm no longer guilty. I'm no longer to be blamed for any sin. I've been washed by the blood. I've been made clean. I've been made righteous. I've been made holy by the blood. Hallelujah. 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 I'm blameless. And I'm shameless. And it makes me bold and fearless. Bold to pray. Bold to proclaim. Bold to fellowship with God. And bold to tell the devil where to get off. Bind him up. Shut him down. Right? In Jesus' name. Fearless. Fearless. Whew. First John 4, I'm closing, I think. What do you care? <laughs> if you could get something else good, why not stay just a little bit longer, right? <laughs> is this worth your time? Is this worth your consideration? This is the gospel. It is. Gospel means good news. You ever heard any better news than this? This, this is the best news you ever heard. He was made sin with my sin so I could be made righteous with his righteousness. I'm not guilty. Hallelujah. I'm not guilty. I'm justified. 1 John 4. Closing, I think. Mm-mm-mm. 1 John 4, verse 15 Well, verse 14 goes with it. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John 4, 14. Verse 15. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Does God dwell in you? Yes. We're talking about the creator of the universe. The Holy One. He's in you. You sure about that? Huh? Who is this? Who does this? Is this true for? Those that confess. There's a confessing again. That saying again. That testifying again. Those that confess. See, if you don't believe it enough. To say it boldly, you don't believe it enough. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God. And God in him. Do you have love in you? Yes, you do. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. 
that we may have what? Boldness. Boldness. (laughs) In the day of judgment. Hold on, hold on. You said you've been reading in Revelation. Did you read about that great day, when that great day comes? And people see the perfect judge of all the earth, the almighty, and even the most powerful men on earth run to the mountains and say, hide us, hide us, hide us from him who sits on the throne. And they try to get away and there's no getting away. And this says that we may have what? Boldness. Boldness. When? When? What? What? How in the world? Are you and I, is anybody going to be bold in that day? How? Could you possibly? We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Yeah. But those that believe on him and those that trust in him have no need of fear of any judgment. Nor any punishment. Oh come on saints are you listening? We will be able to be bold. And unashamed. And unafraid. On the day. Of judgment. Why? Oh do you have enough faith to read the rest of this verse? Why? How could a human being. A human being. Stand before the perfect holiness and purity of the Almighty at the great white throne of judgment. How? Because as He is, so are we. Do you have enough faith to say that? As He is, so am I. Say it again. As he is, is. so am I. I. Is he righteous? Is he ashamed? No. No. Is he afraid of being punished of the Father? No. No. Is he clean? Is he pure? Is he holy? Is he completely accepted and loved of the perfect Holy Father? Yes. Yes. So what else? So am I. 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 I. Young people say, well, I just don't know if I can believe that. Well, then, if you don't believe that, you're lost. There is no in-between. Because you will never be accepted on your merits or how good you lived. Never. You're either a saint or an ain't. Ain't saved. Ain't in the family. Because if you're in the family, there's only one way you got in. By the blood of the Lamb. And that blood didn't just forgive you. It made you righteous. It made you holy. It made you accepted. No matter what you did. No matter what you did. Oh, I have preached myself happy now. I have. I have. Oh, don't you love him, saints? Don't you love him? Don't you stand on your feet? Don't you love him? Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory. We worship you, oh God. Oh, how good you are. How wonderful you are. Praise you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Altar workers, would you come up to the front? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Have you ever heard any better news, saints? There is no better news than this. My father in the faith, 
Kenneth Hagin said that he had a vision of the head of the church, Jesus, years ago. He said he saw him. He described him how he looked. He gave his approximate height, approximate weight. And he said he was around him, but then at one point he looked at him. He looked at his face. And he said he was just overwhelmed. He said people try to ask him, what what did he look like? He said the most amazing feature was his eyes. And he said, he couldn't express it adequately, but he said they looked like wells of living love. He said it looked like you could look down into a miles deep. Living love. He said when he did, he was overwhelmed. And he said he fell down on his face. And he said, Lord, no one as unworthy as I should look on your face. And from the natural, every one of us will feel that way. He said, no one as unworthy as I should look on your face. How many believe the master is pure? He's holy. He's perfect. And he said, the master said to him, get up. Stand upright on your feet. How many think when he says that, you don't think about not getting up? (laughs) He said he stood up trembling. And he said, the Lord looked at him and said, I have made you worthy. I have made you worthy to look on my face. Is this true or not, saints? Is it true or not? Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.